this week's member episode, we're going to follow up on the episode I did this week about the end of the world and talk a little bit about the Antichrist. And actually some clarification needs to be made there. And the first thing we're going to do is make a distinction between the Antichrist and the man of sin or the man of lawlessness or the son of perdition, as he's mentioned by St. Paul. And it'll turn out that it seems that this latter, the man of sin or the man of lawlessness, is actually what we're referring to when we say the Antichrist. So many of the mentions of the Antichrist come from the letters of St. John in the New Testament. To give a few examples here, 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. But in other places, he refers to Antichrists in the plural. For example, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. And in 2 John chapter 1, verse 7, many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. So here you see it's a claim made generally about anyone who denies the incarnation of Christ, anyone who denies that God has come in the flesh. So denial of the incarnation of Christ and all the things that follow from that, that is that characterizes the spirit of the Antichrist. And I think I'd refer you to the episode I did, New Errors Are Old Errors Recycled, talking a lot about Gnosticism. That's kind of the spirit of Gnosticism, which does pervade our current age the denial of the goodness of creation, and therefore the denial of the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, the denial, therefore, of the sacraments, etc., etc. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. So St. John talks about many Antichrists, which means either that we're not properly using the term Antichrist to refer to the one that's supposed to come right before the end of the world, or that many people have the spirit that inspires the Antichrist, but there will be some quote-unquote perfect version of that spirit coming in a particular person in history, and we call that the Antichrist, or that we should call what we refer to as the Antichrist actually the man of sin or the, the man of lawlessness, which St. Paul talks about as that evil person that's supposed to come before the end of time. A few examples of St. Paul saying that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses uh, 3 and 4, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object, or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 10, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, but only until the one who now restrains it is removed. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will destroy with the breath of his mouth, annihilating him by the manifestation of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is apparent in the working of Satan, who uses all power, signs, lying wonders, and every kind of wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth, so be saved. So this sounds much more like what we mean when we say Antichrist. So given that distinction, we can we can still say Antichrist or the man of lawlessness or the man of sin and mean the same thing. I just wanted to make it clear that St. John is making it very clear that the spirit of the Antichrist already reigns in many ways. And there have been and are many Antichrists, those who are inspired by the spirit, opposed to confessing Jesus as the Son of God, opposed to confessing the incarnation of Christ for our salvation. So the one that comes at the end of time might be the Antichrist, capital A, 
or the man of lawlessness, but we understand what we mean as described by St. Paul in these past few verses. The one who is destined for destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. So that's something very specific that we are to expect uh, before the end of time, before Christ's coming. And we know in other places that there is to be a large falling away from the faith before Christ comes, that the gospel needs to be preached to every corner of the world, right, so that everyone can have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ and accept it or reject it. We can kind of see ourselves in more or less that period in history where both of those things have happened. Very few are the places that haven't heard the gospel. And obviously there is a mass falling away from the faith on a, on a global scale. And we can also see how the spirit of the Antichrist prepares the world for the Antichrist, capital A, or the man of lawlessness. Because those things that uh, St. Paul said, opposing and exalting himself above every so-called God or object of worship, declaring himself to be God, that's kind of what our world does now in our very extreme individualism, extreme narcissism, and selfishness, is that we do declare ourselves to be gods. We do exalt ourselves above every other higher thing. We reject the notion of God pretty widely nowadays. We reject the idea of a moral order that is over us. So we exalt ourselves over God, declare ourselves, maybe not these words, but declare ourselves to be God, the greatest thing, the highest thing, the highest uh, judge. And so the spirit of the Antichrist is preparing the world for the capital A Antichrist or the man of lawlessness because maybe a hundred years ago or obviously a thousand years ago or to read this and say that there would, someone, there would be someone who would actually come into the world and claim to be God and exalt himself above everything, we would say, well, that would be very obvious. Like, we'll be able to pick out such a person, you know, someone that says, I am God, I am the highest thing. But over time, with all these changes, especially in recent history, where it's normal for us to claim or to hear claims of ourselves being God, ourselves being the highest good, we have so much narcissism that we're lulled into thinking this is kind of normal. So when the man of sin or the man of lawlessness or the capital A Antichrist comes, it will seem more natural to us and we'll be more susceptible to believe it because we've been surrounded by or caught up in the spirit of the Antichrist for so long. And additionally, and kind of paradoxically, we have this narcissism, but we also, because we've rejected God in large part, we are very susceptible to celebrity or politician worship. And this makes us very susceptible to the claims of an antichrist, someone who comes and say with their charisma or their talents or their beauty or whatever can cause a mass worship of their person that might have seemed far-fetched a while ago, but now people literally are obsessed with figures that do nothing more than sing a song well or act well or have their picture taken. So we're fooling ourselves if we think that we're too enlightened to fall for the claims of someone who claims to be God, someone who is perfectly evil and desires our destruction, so he causes us to worship him rather than worship the true God. It's not very far-fetched if you think about it. It may have been far-fetched a while ago, but the spirit of the Antichrist has been working on us for, for centuries now, for millennia, that he has made our world and our minds such that this is something that will be actually pretty easy to accomplish. Not only because we've rejected God, we've exalted ourselves, and we willingly subordinate ourselves and serve celebrities and politicians, but also because of our technology. The means of communication, the means of influence and persuasion are very powerful now. So 
it seems that the Antichrist will very easily be able to do those things that St. Paul prophesied that he would do. I'd highly recommend two books that are very relevant to this topic. They're fiction, of course, but in reading them, you'll find that perhaps they're prophetic as well. One is called uh, The Lord of the World by Robert Hugh Benson, and the other one is called Father Elijah by Michael O'Brien. Both of them deal with trying to describe these events that precede the end of the world and the rise of the Antichrist or the Man of Lawlessness. And both of them show something that's very, very believable, very possible, very plausible in our age. Uh, and that would be the rise of a charismatic politician who seemingly unites the whole world in a kind of false peace. The whole idea of, a, you know, a, a one world government type thing and whatever. There's plenty of theories about that nowadays. But what I mean is that the spirit of the Antichrist will try and lull the world into this idea of a false godless peace. And many people will be taken in by this. You can see already how taken in we are by uh, the rise of very promising politicians who seem to be very charismatic, etc. Read both of these books and they'll give you a perspective on the caution we ought to have by placing, of course, placing our hope in any person or placing our hope in any political solution and shooting for some kind of earthly utopia. All of these things are signs of the Antichrist because they try and give us salvation, which is not really a salvation, it's a an earthly resolution to conflict, which is supposed to bring about a utopia. Uh, so that's Lord of the World by Robert Hugh Benson and Father Elijah by Michael O'Brien. They probably can convey everything I'm trying to say about the Antichrist in a far more effective way, in a far more enjoyable and entertaining way too. It also seems clear that the Antichrist will be an explicit apostate. That is, that he will openly deny Christ, that he will open, openly deny the incarnation of Christ, and that he will say that he is the Messiah. And many people, many saints, fathers of the church say that this will probably happen when the world is in such great conflict and on the brink of war that they will accept a leader that will claim to quell these tensions and end the war and will then consolidate power to himself, or it will be rather given openly to him so that he can bring peace to the world. And once this power is given, then the spirit of the Antichrist will really be open and that there will be uh, an imposed rejection of Christ, imposition of a false religion, and a, a very severe persecution of followers of Christ. So the more time goes on and the more we look at the news and the more we look around at our world and all the things that are happening, it seems more and more likely that something like this will happen and probably will happen soon, relatively soon, who knows, within years or decades or century, whatever. But it's important now more than ever that we pray for the grace of perseverance, because if there is going to be a persecution, which seems more and more likely, then it requires perseverance, that we remain united to God in grace, and that we be given fortitude so that we might courageously confront the evil of our time, that we might always flee sin and reject anything that claims to be our Savior other than Christ, so that we be not deceived. If we remain close to Christ, even though this whole scenario with the Antichrist or the man of lawlessness sounds very terrifying, and surely it will be, we need to remember that the Antichrist, whoever it will be, is a mere creature and is infinitely less powerful than God, who is the creator. So while it might seem like it's this equal battle of good versus evil, it's really not at all. Christ has already won the victory. Anything that happens in this world, any persecution, any evil that happens, is simply the devil trying to take down as many other people with him in his destruction as possible. But he really has no power against Christ and his church. And so if we remain closely united to Christ and to his church, we need not fear any of the tribulation that will happen. Let me read what the Catechism says about this paragraph 675. 
Before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, a pseudo-messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. Paragraph 677, the church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through this final Passover, only by God's victory over the final unleashing of evil. God's triumph over the revolt of evil will take the form of the last judgment after the final cosmic upheaval of this passing world. So again, always important to remain close to those ordinary means of growth and holiness and sanctification, which are first and foremost the sacraments, in particular the Holy Eucharist and uh, reconciliation, and also daily devotion to reading the Word of God, daily devotion to the Blessed Mother and praying the Rosary, reading the, the works and the lives of the saints to receive encouragement and wisdom, and, and of course praying for the increase of faith, hope, and charity so that we not fall away from the faith or despair or distance ourselves from God by any sin.